Hello and welcome to another episode of The Kosh Cast on underthekoshblog.com and at under underscore the kosh on Twitter. My name is Alex. Bernie is here. Hello, hello. Welcome and, to The Kosh. <laughs> <laughs> and making funny faces, Anne Mohanad is here. Hello, how's it going? Good, although I'm three seconds into a Kosh Cast and I've been flipped off already, so, you know. <laughs> well, that's the, that's the beauty of radio. Could be going better. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone well? Yeah, man. How are you doing? Excellent. Excellent. Um, what a day. What a day. Monday, the 25th of January, 2021. A lot of a lot of big things have been happening lately, you know. New president, new manager of Chelsea, all the all the major stories. Frank Lampard has been sacked. Um, where were you when you heard and what was your first reaction, Mohanad? I was uh, on the toilet, so... Uh, <laughs> Isn't that where you know, know when Arsene Wenger was sacked? Yeah, I'm always there. <laughs> my uh, my first, my morning routine is wake up, take my phone, sit on the toilet, not actually doing toilet stuff. I'm just sitting in there looking at Twitter to see what happened overnight when I was... Because you're right, at 8 a.m. here means England has had like half a day already, you know, so like things have happened. And one of them was was this, the news. I, th- I don't think it was official just yet, but it was all the, you know, the here we go rumors it was looking quite official Thomas Tuchel all that good stuff so yeah I was at the toilet getting ready for work Lampard to unemployment here we go yes right uh Bernie how about you toilet or somewhere less salubrious? I had just woken up and you know when you get the Fabrizio it's it's happening before like it all <laughs> happens that that was all the confirmation I needed and it was a wonderful morning the birds were singing the sun came out in record time. Everything <laughs> just went right for me and my agenda. I was so happy. Oh my goodness, what a day, what a day. Do you want to remind everyone what your agenda is? I mean, it's fairly obvious from what, what you've just said, but go on. <laughs> my agenda is about equality and justice. <laughs> <laughs> That's all it is. Frank Lampard got the job based on nothing, uh, based on not promoting Darby. <laughs> And he was given so much praise for doing absolutely bare minimum. They said he had a style of play. No, he did not. They said he had tactics. No, he did not. All the things that were leveled against my guy, my guy has outlasted him. So I have to go fighting and the the subject of nepotism as well. So there's so Mm. much to dislike about the man. And he's just so sensitive, incredibly flawed human being. Like there's no redeeming quality in the guy. So I'm overjoyed. Well, imagine imagine if Terry had gotten this job. I mean, this is <laughs> Lampard. Imagine what you would have been saying if it was like Terry. I mean, to that point, are we not a little bit surprised that Terry's name hasn't come up? Because, you know, he's doing his thing. Villa assistant, Villa quite impressive. At some point, Terry is going to be Chelsea manager, right? Well, we talk about uh Chelsea learning from their mistakes and I mean it depends on whether you think they have or they haven't because if they haven't then yeah he'll become Chelsea manager at some point I mean everybody literally everybody I saw online took this news like non-Chelsea fans by saying I wish ex-player some legend from their club doesn't become manager like Arsenal fans are like I really hope Henri Riviera never become manager or you know Bergkamp assistant manager and other other clubs are saying you know Man City fans are like I hope Richard Dunn never becomes manager you know <laughs> So, like, they're all just thinking, you know, just keep the legends where they are when they were playing because it's ne- it just never goes well as a man. I mean, look at Mourinho. Their best manager in their history, blah, blah, blah. And it still ended badly. It's 
it just always ends badly with managers. It's very rarely that it ends like Alex Ferguson. You know, I mean, look at Arsene Wenger. Even Arsene Wenger ended badly. It's just inevitable. I, Can I, just I think there's a to, case to be... Yeah, go on, Benny. Sorry, just to add to Mohanda's point. When you said learn from their mistakes, I was thinking like, well, they're hiring Tuchel, who has a racist issue, and then John Terry has a racist issue. Like, is that, I thought that was where you were going with that, and I was really going to enjoy it, but... Dream you know, team. You, you, you did a good job anyway. <laughs> this sounds vaguely familiar. Like, it's ringing a bell, but remind me what Tuchel's thing is. The, uh, what was it, Martin, when I know, I know you remember. It, what, the, uh, the, the, the Turkish game? Yeah, yeah. No, so what happened was, uh, the rumors are that his relationship with the PSG squad really deteriorated, especially with Neymar and Mbappe, after that Champions League game versus the uh, Turkish side, where Demba plays, Bishakshir or whatever. And right. the fourth official, like, fourth official called a player, like, he described him as an adjective saying that black player. And then everybody got upset. And then Tuchel took the stance of like, you know, on the field, it was like, it's not a big deal, guys, relax, let's get back to playing when they mm-hmm. all the players were clearly very upset. And apparently in the aftermath and a few days later, like the, the black players just really didn't like his stance on the whole thing. Um, right. So that's kind of where it started to deteriorate from there. Um, well, so, you know, him and John Terry and then maybe the bloke from that train, you know, as a trio. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Would be a really good... S- I was going to say I wasn't convinced that Tuchel would be a good Chelsea manager, but he sounds perfect. Yeah. He's just not a good manager regardless. Like, I just never rated him, man. Like, where was he before? Dortmund, was it? Before PSG? Where he, was he? Dortmund. Mm-hmm. So he did the Klopp route. He did Mainz and then Dortmund. Did pretty well, but fell out with everyone at Dortmund. Yeah. Like, Sven Mislintat and him couldn't be in the room. Like, mm-hmm. one of them had to go. And then he fell out with people at PSG. And so I think it was Rory Smith that tweeted today, like one of the major things that you have to do as Chelsea manager is manage up, right? And be able to have good relationships with the people that, that manage you, in this case, Marina Gretzky or whoever else is around, Petr Cech. Um, and he can't do that, like demonstrably can't do that. Um, so why they think this is a great pick for them, I'm not sure. Beyond, like there's been a ton made of he's German and they signed some Germans that they need to get the best out of but here's the thing like the germans they signed speak very good english like this language wasn't a problem language was yeah just and i mean you're not problem. you're not hiring a translator you're hiring a manager <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah i don't know maybe they want to sign more german players in the future it's like arsene wenger with french players maybe they just want to raid the bundesliga for which years is, to come which is just a bad idea to do right now until you get these guys working like, until Werner scores a goal <laughs> But you know that will happen like in the first game or two. Yeah, And yeah, then everyone will go, see the German connection. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like 100% that will happen. Uh, I, I just don't think he's a good manager. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, okay. So the, the argument for is that like did fairly well with Dortmund or like he did what you would expect with Dortmund. With PSG, he was <laughs> the first manager to take them to the Champions League final, which is further than they'd got before. And obviously he won the league back to back, which is bare minimum expectation. Um, so you could argue he pretty much did as much as he could at PSG. Um, but I, I tend to agree with you. Like, I just don't, I'm not convinced at all. Although, Bernie, you read the, the Athletic article. Didn't they check out Ranić and um, Nagelsmann first? They did. Uh, Nagelsmann shut them down. Um, Ranić didn't want to, I think this is four months, right? He's like, that's too short. Although he keeps rejecting people, so I don't know what he wants to do. But uh, that was too short for him. 
Um, but then they also apparently talked to Allegri and he just would not like respond. <laughs> I, I, I can't remember who, I think it was uh, Marcotti was saying it today. Like he just would not respond. Like, no, like he's, he actually said to himself, I'm too smart for this. <laughs> he has standards. He's like, I did not learn English for this. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, I'd, I think, I, like I, I'd rather just chill. <laughs> like, screw yeah. I think that's it. I think like, Tuchel has a lot to prove, and so he'll take an 18-month contract at a volatile club and like won't be much worse off if it goes badly. Whereas Allegri, you know, serious winner, wants probably wants somewhere where he can actually relax and get into I, the job for a few years. I do want to elaborate on the on the Tuchel thing just a little bit because to most point, I, I don't think he's a good manager. I think that we've all gotten deceived again with this gig and press thing or whatever. Like, you know how football comes in waves, right? There was a Spanish. Now it's the German. I don't know what's coming next, but like we're in that German phase where everyone German looks good. Wagner came in, Farker came in, like both of them were shit <laughs> in reality. Hassan Hutel's Austrian, but hey, I mean, whatever. He's, he's oh, yeah. and, and, and he's doing a brilliant job. Also, also yeah. come on. Farker got them promoted. He's going to get them promoted again. Like, I mean that's not no that's money. not the measure of like anything interesting to me. Like he got he got dumped out the league with like an incredibly low amount of points. I don't care. Like I don't care. But my point is, it's this thing where we're just so interested in what the Bundesliga has to offer that people are just not looking at the background. As we said, he did okay with Dortmund, but he's apparently this tactical mastermind. What? At PSG, he wasn't even allowed to be tactical. They told him this is what you have to do. <laughs> so like what? I, I just don't get it. There's no quality of the manager that says to me this will work politically or tactically at all. It doesn't. Well, apparently, know. didn't the didn't that article say that they were talking to people while Lampard was still on the job, right? Like they they had begun that process, like mm -hmm. a, like a week ago or something, I believe. Yeah. And he kind of, I, th I think, he got wind of it, and the, the, then he got upset. And he was like shaking all the players' hands, like after the Leicester game or whatever it was. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which is awkward, frankly. Yeah, but there's also, frankly, frankly, Lampardy. But there's also, <laughs> like, apparently, like, just the class side of things. People, like, I was seeing Chelsea fans are like, you know, he's, he's our legend. He's probably the best player, you know, one of the best, if not the best player in our history, blah, blah, blah. And, like, apparently, they wouldn't even let him go back and, like, say bye or, like, pick up his stuff. And, like, stuff like that. Like, you know, it's like, how how sour can things turn so fast? Apparently, the relationship with him and the, the top brass there is really deteriorating. Well, yeah, allegedly, according to that same article, the, the board got really, I find this really funny, the board got really pissed off because he kept asking them to sign Declan Rice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And that is sackable, right? That's a sackable. Yeah, it, 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 it is. But I, I personally don't think he should have been sacked. I, I don't I don't believe that. As much as I, 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 I'm saying I bantered him, right? And I don't like him. And I think he was doing a, a mediocre job. But I just think, what's the point of Tuchel for... Is it 18 months? And really, it's like, if he if he doesn't get into the top four, he's going to be like, well, Frank messed it up. If they get into the top four, he'll take the credit. But where are they going? There's nothing the problem, that they do are going to go. I just feel like, see it to the end of the season. Because this league, as we know, this season has been very, very, very weird. So why do this now? I, I, because, don't, I don't get it. Look, from a points perspective and where they're going to finish in the league and like blah, 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 it all makes sense to keep Lampard. Then my first thought was also like, it's too rash, it's too fast, blah, blah, blah. You're doing fine. But like, that's from a points and blah, blah, perspective. But I think what really, what it came down to is just the dressing room. 
it seemed to be just untenable. Like it just seemed like the relationship completely broke down that even a week seems too much in that environment. Like it seemed like the environment just completely broke down that you cannot do another six months of this. No matter, mm-hmm. even if you make top four, I think it was just on a personal level with so much happened, you know, the pressure that he was put under, the stuff he said in the in the media, kind of putting his players under the bus. I think even the, um, what's his name? Aspie stuff, uh, not Aspie. Um, Alonso. No, the keeper. Oh, Kepa. Oh, Kepa. Kepa stuff. Like even all of like, we heard about the tension there when he wanted to sign, you know, different uh, keeper and he played uh, Caballero and blah, blah, blah. Like, I think it just built up to the point where regardless of results, he he just he lost the dressing room. And a lot of managers go because they lose the dressing room, not because of how they're doing in the league. I think that's that's clearly true. Um, and in, in Abramovich's statement, he didn't mess around. He said the club were left mid-table without any path to sustained improvement, which is like very damning and unnecessary to say in mm. the statement. I mean, that clearly shows he thought that Lampard wasn't doing a good job. And to be fair, five losses in the last eight games. like. For a Chelsea manager, that's pretty unacceptable. Like that wouldn't have been accepted under any other manager. Well, so really, so someone, Chelsea and Abramovich are just being very consistent. In a, in a Chelsea point of view, I agree with you. That's what you know they do. I don't. I don't think it's necessarily a surprise they do. But again, I know it's only one example. But if you look at Arteta, like his record was worse. Like, yeah, but these are but different he was, clubs. But again, he, I, different clubs. But I'll give you this though: I don't believe Arteta lost dressing room even in that poor run. I think it was more. No. Everyone was sad that they yeah. were shit, but it wasn't like, oh, we hate Arteta or anything like that. So right. I give him that. But I understand where most most coming from. I understand where you guys are coming from. I think it kind of makes sense. But I just when I see the option is too cool. Like to yeah, me, yeah. it just it doesn't it doesn't justify sacking Frank for someone who has lost both dressing rooms and probably will lose this one. Like I don't get the point of it. But but if but Chelsea are pure rail politic, right? It's just like it's all short term. Everything yeah. is short term. So it doesn't matter. Like if you appoint Togel and it goes well for six months and he gets you into top four, then it's the same to them as having kept Lambert. Like it just doesn't make any difference. So right? here's a question for you guys. Someone said that Chelsea from a sacking perspective of managers is potentially the hardest job in Europe. So I was thinking about that. I mean, I would put before Zidane, I would put Madrid definitely yep. up there. Zidane kind of bucked the trend, but that's just because he's brilliant and he won four Champions Leagues in like three months. But like, I think I would say Madrid and Chelsea are probably up there. And now Chelsea is up there. I think because of what Pedro Zidane has done at Madrid, I feel maybe that's true. Would you, can you think of like a, from a sacking perspective, a tougher job in Europe? I think the only thing that comes even close to those two is Juventus. Uh, you saw like Sarri won the league and got sacked. There are a few clubs, yeah, and and these are the ones that we're talking about, really. But Allegri did it for a bit, you know. Allegri did it for a bit. Italian clubs are generally like that. Like, was it Milan before Pioli, where it was like every other day was yeah. someone new or something like that? But yeah. I, I I agree it's Chelsea now, but I think it's Chelsea primarily because they've allowed this player power thing to grow to the point that we've never, I don't, I've never seen it this bad. Like I know Jose Mourinho had issues with uh, Ramos and Casillas, but that's Jose Mourinho. You know what I mean? Like this is consistently every manager, even Jose the second time around, they've all lost the dressing room and players revolted and threw the, and threw the managers out every single Yeah, but Chelsea, Chelsea's stories almost seem to stem from that. Like you remember Mourinho's second stint, et cetera, et cetera. It always okay. seems to stem. Yeah. Even what's his name? The, the Zenit guy, the guy that went to Zenit. AVB. 
AVB, um, yeah, he lost the dressing room. Oh, yeah. There, there just seems to be a lot of these stories where I think, and I don't know, this is not facts or anything, but I feel like Abramovich likes to make friends with the players because he, you know, he's yeah. that guy. He, you know, he's us. He's a fan that has a lot of money and bought a club and he loves it so much that he's not going to just sit at home. He's going to be like there. He's going to be friends and fist bump with the star players and he's going to invite them to his parties and his mm-hmm. dinners. And so he will have that relationship that kind of goes around the manager. So they will text him. They will go to him. They will talk mm-hmm. to him and it will come up even if it's slyly, but you know that he loves to have that relationship with them. Therefore, the manager's power is kind of diminished a little bit in that system. Yeah, uh, yeah I think that's a really good point. And, and I think Chelsea had the opportunity, had a rare opportunity to break this cycle mm-hmm. in that last season, Frank Lampard came in, knew the young players, Jody Morris knew the young players. They couldn't buy anyone. They got rid of Hazard, a couple other older players. Like they had an opportunity to start again. Right. It went quite well. Like it went as well as you could have really expected in the first season. And then they went back to old habits and spent 200 million on a bunch of Exactly. And didn't clear out the the guys that Lampard, to be fair to him, asked them to clear out the Alonso's, the Rudigers, et cetera. Um, And and there you go. You're back in the same spot. Yeah. Like Chelsea had a different feel about them last season when Tammy was coming through and then like Tamori was coming through. Like it it had a different feel. It didn't feel like Chelsea. But yes, you're right. If they won, the question is, do they want to make that change? Like, Bernie, we study all the time about, you know, we look at, like, whatever, corporations, like, when their finances go down. We always talk, it still always spins back to culture. Culture mm-hmm. and values, culture and values. Mm-hmm. Like, it, that always drives how you do. And Arsenal are an example of a club that, to the detriment of their finances and their performance, really try and stick to the culture and values. Chelsea are almost the opposite. It's like, I don't care. I will take six-month <laughs> managers. I will I will sack managers after they win the Champions League. Like, I, you know, yeah. it's just... Yeah, I, I don't know. And, I don't know. It must be tiring. You can't build anything. And 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 to your point on, on Arsenal, it's very similar to Man United where people go, why did that person leave? Or why did that person leave? And sometimes it's, I need people that I can depend on and I need people that I can trust. It's what managers always want. And in that article, Frank wanted, I think he didn't want, I mean, this is also a bad idea. He didn't want Thiago Silva. Fine. I get it. He's old. He wanted Tarkovsky, which is a terrible idea. But... He, at least he wanted his own guy that would not, you know, go to freaking Roman and be like, hey, Frank, like, get yeah, Frank yeah. out of here. Like, more who'd be like, I'm so happy that Frank brought me here, so I'm going to be loyal to Frank. Yeah. Like, there is there is something about well, that, that with that's, mediocre players. That's like, a definite advice. Also, also to be fair, Abramovich is not giving James Tarkovsky his <laughs> phone number. <laughs> He's also not giving him a single cent in salary. <laughs> so... Um, but yeah, anyways, I mean, at the end of the day, I agree with Bernie in the sense that my first thought was, wow, like, you just, you cannot last in these jobs. It's so difficult now being a manager. Like, it's just, you have, like, and we talked about that poison chalice of signings. You know, every manager wants signings, but every manager also gets sacked because the signings didn't work. Like, we yep. talked about Arteta as an example. Bernie said, well, look, Arteta, you know, he also went on a five-game losing streak. But ultimately, deep down, Arsenal fans realize that we're shit. And we're almost lucky to have him. As opposed to Chelsea fans who are like, yeah, we love him and everything, but hey, 230 million in the summer, we need to be doing better than this. So it's that, it's that you know, double-edged sword of, hey, you get me signings, but they're ultimately going to get me sacked. So. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's true. Um, all right, the last, very last thing before we move on from Chelsea. Um, allegedly, I, did, I hadn't heard this till today, but allegedly, uh, Tuchel, when he was at PSG, asked the PSG... Uh, execs to make bids for Jorginho and Rudiger. <laughs> well, he's got his wish. Uh, so, you know. Oh my 
There you go. So it's was he gonna like, re- was he gonna replace Verratti with Jorginho? Is that the plan? I, God, this actually no. was a thing. I remember this. I remember this. He Verratti, they were trying to ship him off to Madrid, like because of his injury record, and and that was just Verratti's like, I want to stay. And they're like, why? <laughs> well, at least, at least it's a good sign that he was he was willing to sign where they're gonna at least. That's in his good. That's in his good column. <laughs> Got one. He's got one. <laughs> uh, all right, let's move on. Um, Bernie, you referenced uh, your man earlier, uh, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. Uh, he, he's doing all right, isn't he? He's got a bit of momentum. Yeah, Thanks to us. Doing, doing well. Doing well. The, the hate fuels him on, I guess. Mm-hmm. We let no, a no, fire no, the fire under his you. <laughs> Definitely me. <laughs> uh, Manchester United three, Liverpool two. This was, I mean, the, the game that they played last week was horrendous. This was a lot better, way more entertaining. So much fun, so much fun. And uh, Salah decided uh, to show up. Didn't run, but still decided to show up. It's it's actually amazing. And I, and I wanted to bring this up because you guys remember the uh, City Liverpool Champions League quarterfinal or something like that. Salah mm. ran across the whole pitch multiple times. I remember this. Even that goal, I think uh, he was at the halfway line. and No, he was... Walker played him onside from really deep, and he just ran mm. the whole way. I was like, I, I, like, even though he scored two goals, I'm like, this guy isn't moving. It was, it was honestly hilarious. But and then you see Mane yeah. on the other side who comes on, and all he's doing is running. Like he's yeah. not, he, he's, he's not, he didn't contribute anything but run around. Like, he's Mane like, was huffing and puffing like I've never seen <laughs> He's only been up for like what, 20 minutes. The day he slows down is the day they are fucked. <laughs> like, if the it's two crazy. of them are dead. Yeah, but you could see Trent, man. Trent is in a bad place right now. He's just not playing well at all. And it's visible. Like, it's not just highlights or moments of mess-ups. Like, you could just see it. The confidence is not there. Like, there's so much going on wrong. Like, Allison, a couple of those goals, plus a couple of other chances, you could have done much better. Like, he doesn't seem like that big, formidable Allison that we're used to. That Reese Williams guy, clearly this is why they play Fabinho Henderson at center back. Like there was a couple, you know, a couple of players are just not, for me, no, like just so many players at the same time not playing very well. And I think we talked about Jota missing, which is a big one for them. He would have kind of helped put in some energy in this game instead of like, let's say, Shakiri who came on or whatever. But yeah, like, and United are resilient, man. Annoyingly resilient. Like just, you guys go 1-0 down almost every game, but just don't seem to care. Honestly, watching this game when Salah scored, it was the first time this season where I've seen it now enough times. But against Liverpool, I literally went, nah, we'll score. Like, I literally was not bothered because I knew we would score. And also, tactically, I knew we would. Because in the first game, the one that didn't, the nil-nil, Borfest, Alex mentioned, that his tactic was, well, they're going to play high. So we're going to hit it to Rashford and he's going to make the run. They did that twice. And yes, there were, there were two, two mess-ups, but still, they were good balls in behind. And they could have scored three or four times from that tactic. And Liverpool are so predictable. And that's how you make Trent look really, really bad. He just bombs up. And Luke Shaw, unbelievable game. He literally just bombs and pushes uh, Trent back and forces Trent to figure out what he wants to do. And Luke Shaw, again, like I said last week, he's having a great, great season. Yeah, and I think you guys, your first goal was brilliant. Rashford's run. Like, first of all, Pogba's tackle at the edge of his box. And he's having a phenomenal kind of resurgence over the last couple of months or mm-hmm. two or whatever it was. The tackle he did, and he kept kind of fighting for the ball, played it out to Rashford. Um, and then Rashford, brilliant ball, just like kind of skimming Milner's hair. 
to get to to get to Greenwood. And Greenwood with his right, it, uh, first of all, the first touch with his chest really set him up. It, you know, it meant that he had time to then finish with his weak foot brilliantly past Alisson. I think that was a really, really good goal. Stunning goal. And, and the Rashford pass, there was no backlift. Like, mm. He didn't actually have anywhere. That he had, like, it was the balls under his feet. It was, it was so impressive. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I, at the end of the day, like I can't take it away from United. They deserve to win. The, like it was an equal game, but at the end of the day, you cannot take it away from them. And Bruno Fernandes came on, obviously had his moment. <laughs> you know that's what he does. He's, you know, people are He's saying the best player in England. It's this. It's it's done. Like well, overall, the form, career one of the best KDB. in the world. He is. He's top ten in the world on form. Like I know yeah. this history of players and stuff like that. And like if you, I wouldn't say like Ballon d'Or because of that, but like on form right now. He's mm-hmm. probably the best midfielder in the world today. And the thing is this. I just want to touch on Donny van der Beek because what has happened in this game, this game has finally quietened a lot of United fans who are saying, Donny has to play, Donny has to play. He's a good player. But there was one particular instance where Donny got the ball and he could have played a first-time cross into Cavani who was free in the box. He passed it back. And Solskjaer mm-hmm. was like, no, push it forward. And this is exactly why he's a good player, but he doesn't have the instinct to create the way that they want to play. So he has to sit on the bench. Like, there can be no discussion about Donny van de Beek anymore after this game. Well, other than he's not going to assimilate to your style of play, slightly more direct style of play, by not playing. Yeah, coming from, like, tippy-tappy Ajax, it's not going to be easy, right? Well, he can play, and his future depends on Paul Pogba, because if he plays in that number eight sort of box-to-box, that's fine. You know, you pass a move, pass a move from there, that's fine. But as a number 10, where we're asking you to create for the main striker, but you're passing the ball back to the forward, it's never going to happen. So it really depends on Paul Pogba's future. And he can do a job in that box-to-box role for sure. But if Pogba's playing like this, I'm sorry, you will sit on that bench. Well, yeah, I mean, that's, that's the thing. If Pogba stays, and uh, you know, Bruno's immovable, right, and rightly so, and... And so that that means that Donny van der Beek is just the third guy. And then the question becomes, like, is he prepared to 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 do that? You know, because he won't have necessarily, you know, who knows what Solskjaer promised him. But actually, no, sorry, that's a stupid thing to say. We do know. Uh, apparently, he said he would play about half the games. And so he had to have a meeting with him the other day, according to The Athletic again, to kind of reassure him that he would be getting opportunities. Um so, you know, we'll, we'll see if that's actually true. And if not, then Van der Beek may feel misled. But another midfielder I want to talk about is Thiago. Um, when he first arrived... Broad watch. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he looked fantastic. And I think... I th- okay, I, th- I think here's the problem. Is that we've seen him play be the deepest line midfielder for Bayern. And Liverpool have been playing him there too. And the thing is, for Bayern, when they have 90% of the ball or whatever, he can be the deepest line player. It doesn't mean he's a defensive midfielder. It just means he's the midfielder who's furthest back. Whereas for Liverpool, in this form, and with the players out who are out, and without Fabinho in midfield, and without Henderson in midfield, a lot more is required of him, especially physically, and he can't do it. And so he, the things that he can bring to the team, you see them when he's in the final third and he's on the ball, but the second that they get counterattacked, he's useless. And gave, like but he gave him the foul. Do you want to disagree with this kick. first, or should I? I, I saw Mo's face, and Mo's face was pure disagreement before the camera went off. <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm not sure. 
Okay, Mo's gone. All right. No, no, so, I'm here. It's just that my connection is bad, so I turned off the camera. I'll, I'll follow up after you. You go ahead. Okay, so Alex, I get what you're saying, but a lot of the time, as you did allude to, at Bayern Munich, he did play as the deepest midfielder, and he was actually very combative, and we saw a lot of that in that Champions League run where he was tackling everything, and we're like, how is this old man able to pass the ball and cover all this ground and look this useful? The one thing I've seen in Thiago this season is that he actually can't run and he can't cover ground anymore. I don't know what happened because I know he was injured in preseason. Maybe that has something to do with it. And maybe he's lost a yard of pace in three months or something, but he cannot cover ground. It's unbelievable. There's that clip of Pogba literally oh, strolling past him. And, and mm-hmm. Thiago looks up into the sky like, <laughs> what am I going to do now? Like, it was embarrassing. And Nigerian Twitter is having a field day with Thiago. Like, uh, we have this thing where, like, there's a, there's always what they call an idea man. Like, I don't know if you guys have seen that. Because yeah. he's like, give it to me. I, I have an idea. Give it to me. I have an idea. <laughs> like, that is the guy who is, like, the Trek or Pista or whatever, who plays the ball from <laughs> deep and all that stuff. Stop using whatever. the word. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know. It's terrible. But he's that guy. And they're like, the idea guy that you play with in school is always the one who does the most nonsense with the ball. <laughs> and that's exactly what Nigerian Twitter is just ruining him for. And that's what it is. Like, he's got to step but, up and do better. But, but the thing is that, so, you know, I, I'm not saying, if it came across that I was saying that he can't be combative, that, that wasn't my point. The point is that in the right system with the right players around him, fine, you can use him in that role. But as Liverpool are now, when they're missing those guys who generally do that job in midfield, you can't just leave him there, you know, with, with no one else uh, as a defensive presence in midfield and expect him to cover the same amount of ground in a faster league against bigger, faster players. It's just not, it's not the same. Yeah, like it's not going to work with Wijnaldum and Milner with him. Like he needs a Fabinho sitting behind him where Thiago can be like that second guy midfield and maybe a Henderson or... The problem is also with Thiago is that like, even if you play him further up the field, as Alex, you're suggesting, the problem is he still wants to just dictate tempo. He still wants to come deep and get the ball and just do that nice little spray curl ball to Trent. And then, you know, he that's what he wants to do. Is he going to like play a... I don't know, a through ball to Mane for a one-on-one? No. It's just, it's on. this, what do you mean? But, no? but it's not, but, yeah, but, but it's not him. Like he, he he dictates tempo. He passes the ball. He opens up the field. He does that kind of stuff. But I don't see him as like a, a number 10 who's going to give you that final ball, which is fine. I'm not knocking him for it. It's just they need, they don't have, they're not playing well enough right now to, to kind of have that luxury player in their side. And we talked about why Henderson plays, why Fabinho plays. We talked about why these players play for Liverpool is because they run around and give you a lot of energy. If Thiago's not going to give you that energy, I think Liverpool loses a little bit of what they're good at. I think, I think the other thing is it's very easy to play against a team that has Thiago in that position because all these teams do is, well, we're going to move the ball and progress it forward very, very quickly. Burnley literally went, up oh, route one. And that was easy enough because now you're right at the defenders. There's no cover. United simply said, we're going to bypass Thiago and make this very, very easy for ourselves or give it to Rashford on the left, who was just absolutely rinsing them. And Thiago was supposed to be the cover for Trent. And like, that's never going to be a thing. (laughs) It's Rashford. So it was just easy and they targeted him. And it was one of the most shameful things I've seen of a star player just being just wrecked like that. You know, I think is, uh, you know, I think is actually quite good, which he's growing on me is Curtis Jones. Oh, he, 
like he's you can tell he's got something about him obviously yes he's not like 100% influential yet and he's not going to be in highlight reels for Liverpool but I can see it in him when he gets the ball he's got something about him that is a bit different I, I, I like what I see so far and obviously he's not there yet but it looks promising 100% agreed I, yeah. I, um, I want to talk about one player just quickly because Edinson Cavani is some I doubted that transfer because of his age and his injury record can you but, apologize please Oh, I'm apologizing. <laughs> I, I am sorry. Like, the thing is, he does, he's not going to be that prolific this season. It's just not. Like, he might score 10. But mm. there's an account called United Arena. And what they do is extreme, like, very, very detailed tactical breakdowns. And they also do, like, biomechanics of players, how they shoot, how they run, like, medical stuff, which is hilarious and amazing. But they sound like literally nerds. Sh- they, really <laughs> nerds. And they have a Patreon account. People pay for their stuff. It's crazy. But what they were doing was they showed clips of Cavani's runs into the box when we didn't score goals. And they were like, they're like, watch, just watch him, watch how he zigzags here and here and gets rid of this defender. And I'm like, what the hell? Like, you, you notice strikers when they score goals, right? Or when they have a chance. And you're like, oh, look at that movement. But the ones where, like, the cross didn't even come in. And I'm watching it like, I understand. Mm-hmm. I totally get what he, he offers and brings to the pitch and why he scores so many goals. It's not... It's not just he's tall and can head the ball or whatever. Like, he's elite movement. Absolutely elite. Yep. No, agreed. Tim Vickery described him as the first box-to-box striker, which is a, <laughs> a really good description. Um, this was, so this was an FA Cup win. Uh, we've got a question um, from Twitter from Cameron Herbert, at CamH underscore, um, about domestic cup. So he says, how important? How, sorry. How much importance do you folks at Under the Cosh place on domestic silverware? As a Manchester City fan, I want every single trophy because I never saw us win anything when I was young. However, the other top six top six teams and their fans don't seem to care as much. He also adds, "Keep up the great work." So thanks, Ken. Um, so, uh, Mohamed, I'll start with you. How much importance do you personally place on domestic cups? Well, as an Arsenal fan, I think it's the most important competition. <laughs> uh, I think the FA Cup is the top competition in Europe. But that aside, um, you know what? I, I always like to put the domestic cups in context of the team trying to win it or the team, you know, that won it. So, like, it matters. Like, you look at, let's say, Tottenham. Haven't won a cup in God knows how long. It is important to not get snobby and look up at it because a lot of managers a lot of players will tell you winning breeds winning and you need you know you can't get snobby about the fa cup or the calling cup when you haven't won anything in 20 years i would say you know so for them that would be fantastic arsenal for example won it what three out of four or whatever it was so no not a priority this season so the domestic cups i would not say there's some absolute value on them i would say they they differ in value to every team if i look at ole I would say a domestic cup would be huge for him, whether it's the FA Cup or the Carling Cup. I'm not saying only that, but it would be a really good thing to kind of solidify the, the, the journey that this team is on. You know, now United are looking at a domestic trouble. If they can win one of those cups, you know, not win the league, let's say, come second or whatever, but win one of those cups, I think it's a great season for Ole compared to what we were saying at the beginning. If you look at Lampard last season, had he won the FA Cup in his first season as Chelsea manager, I think that would have been huge. So again, I always give the domestic cups that context. Carling Cup or whatever the hell it's called now, less so. But the FA Cup with context can be really something very important, I would say. I, I tend I tend to agree with that. I, I don't know why. Like, no matter what, I don't care about the Carabao Cup. Like, we could not win a trophy for 10 years and it, I wouldn't celebrate it. It wouldn't bug me. But you guys know <laughs> how I feel about the FA Cup and the history of that. I don't care how many times... If we were to win it three out of four, like you guys, I would still celebrate the FA Cup. I think 
that is a proper trophy. Even more than the Europa League and stuff like that, like if you're in that, like I don't mm-hmm. care. <laughs> I just don't care about that. It's, it's some, I don't know what it is, but the FA Cup, Champions League, Premier League, those are the things I, ca- I personally care about. Bernie, actually, that's a very good point. When I think of to myself, I would actually, I understand the Europa League. I understand it from a logical perspective, but I would definitely celebrate the FA Cup with much more kind of pureness in my heart. Like the FA Cup over the Europa League for sure. So what's interesting, I I mean, I I largely agree with with everything you guys have said, but what's interesting is, and and I'm asking this generally because I don't, oddly, I'm realizing I don't know. How much difference is there between the League Cup and the FA Cup in terms of, there's what one or two extra rounds that Premier League teams have to play. The FA Cup is all levels of English football, isn't it? Is Carling Cup also all levels, or is it like capped? I think I don't the, know. Car- the Carling Cup, I believe, is is all like football league level, so you don't get any non-league. Yes, and there are less rounds for the Premier League teams to play. But like, really, what's the difference? To, to me, it's, stature, to me it's like it's the stature of it, it's the history of it, it's the fact that literally no one cared until 10 years ago <laughs> for the for the Carabao or Capital One or Worthington, as we used to call it, right? Like that was a tournament that United used to only play reserves until we got to the final, then we played our biggest players mm-hmm. to try and win it. Like we never did like it was always well, an afterthought, so it will always continue to be an afterthought to me. Well, look at the prize money. I mean, just to put it in perspective, and again, it's not answering why, Alex, but it's just putting it in perspective. £100,000 for the winner of the League Cup versus £2 million for the winner of the FA Cup. So, you know, yeah, I, I'm not sure why, but... But, it, you, yeah. You also get a crate of Carabao energy drink, which, you know, goes a long way. I mean, Especially Thiago, for Jamie Vardy. I'm surprised Leicester haven't won it. Yeah, Thiago could use some. <laughs> Um, anyway, um, I think I think that answers the question. I think I think domestic cups. It's hard. Like you have to to look at them in context. I think yeah. you know Wigan fans were deliriously happy at winning the FA Cup. They got relegated, and we've never heard of them <laughs> ever since. But you know they have that day, and and they're in the record books, and and that will mean a lot to, to Birmingham them. fans too when they won the yeah. FA Cup. Yeah, exactly. Thanks so, for that, Bernie. Mohamed had yeah. to turn on his camera just to look me in the eye. <laughs> The Obafe Martin of the Scotch cast. (laughs) (sighs) Anyway, um, speaking of domestic cups, FA Cups, Arsenal, etc. Arsenal are out of the FA Cup this season. One nil loss to Southampton. Um, So there's been a lot of talk, you know, around Arsenal lately. Of and we mentioned it last week. The revolution happened, you know, a month or so ago. Smith Rowe in the team, Saka in the team, different lineup, etc. And since then, the question has been. What happens if you take these guys out? And we saw that the other day. Um, Pepe came in. Willian came in. These guys are the lightning rods, obviously, for all the, the hate. And understandably so, because they've been really, really bad at football. Shaka loves them. <laughs> <laughs> um, El Nenny and Shaka in midfield. You know, you know Tierney. Like, the, the second string just, just wasn't good enough, no? Yeah, and then you had Nketiah up top. Like, it was just... I mean, the problem is... You can start the game and you think, I get this rotation because it's the FA Cup. I get it. But, like, and I know the manager knows, and he, or we think the manager knows, whatever. But, like, you know, as fans, we understand a little bit. And I look at the team and I'm like, that team will not beat the Southampton team. Like, I just, like, 
you just know before the ball is kicked. Like I look at both teams and like, okay, so Southampton pretty much have the starting eleven. We would barely beat them with our starting eleven. And now you have like six rotated players. You're obviously gonna lose this game. Like to not lose this game, it would have to be against their own of play. You're not gonna dominate the Southampton team that is killing it in the league and the top form, et cetera, et cetera, with a second string side. It's just not gonna happen. So what is the point? Well, I, I will say that as a fan, I had no issue with it whatsoever in that. And this is where, you know, Cam's question about domestic cups comes back in. I don't care if Arsenal win an FA Cup this year because we've won loads of FA Cups. And, and we know that it's not as, as, as enjoyable as it is. It's not a good marker of where the team is at yes, or the progress right. the team is making. And so this season, you know, I'm not saying this every season. Again, it's all contextual. But this season... I would much rather win the league game against Southampton, which is, I think, tomorrow, Tuesday, um, than I would have won the FA Cup. Yes, but so, to rebuttal that in terms of context, we're not going to make top four. So you have nothing else to play for. Well, well, there's Europe to play for in general. What, Europa League? Yeah. I would so rather not be in the Europa League next season. Yeah, but and win the, the club FA wouldn't. Cup. So like, you well, why, why would the club? Why would the club care? They they lose all the money we make on anything. So what's the point? <laughs> <laughs> they, they they give Mustafi. They, you know they pay thirty five million for Mustafi and pay five million for Shaka and three hundred a week for William and whatever it is and seventy two million for Pepe. Why are they trying to make money if they're just going to waste it? Why not just not take it and not spend it? How about that? Why not I, just I, liquidate? Yeah, how, yeah, I like that. <laughs> I think I think you know in terms of the FA Cup, I think that. You guys, you because you play Southampton next, right? Like tomorrow or whatever, on Wednesday. And we're gonna lose, yes. So, like, you had to make a decision. You can't go and play these guys twice with a strong team. Like, exactly. no, they can because get, beating Arsenal is a big deal. Like, I mean, he won't get in tears like he did against Liverpool, but like, he'll give you a really strong fist bump at least, right? Like, for, for beating you guys. So, you have to. Bro, he, he, he beat us game. his first game in charge. He beat us his first game in charge. He's been oh, there, real? done that. <laughs> yes. But you guys are in a, okay, you guys are in a, a bit of an uptick in form. Uh, in the lead, not a bit, a good patch of form. So I get it. You want to preserve that, forget this, whatever. I think it makes sense. And I think this season is weird enough that you are not totally out of the top four race. Oh, yeah. Also, I'd like to apologize for that not making the top four coming because we are signing Odegaard, so we might just win the league. I mean, perfect. <sighs> that, that brings us very neatly on to um, two questions, actually. The first from <laughs> Gavin Wiggins, at Gavin underscore Wiggins, um, who says, does Arteta stay on if there's no European matches next season? And you could read this, I realize, in, in one of two ways. One is, <laughs> does Arteta get sacked? If, if Arsenal don't qualify for Europe or does he just leave in shame and or frustration if Arsenal don't make it into Europe so Manu what do you think I think there's no way in hell Arteta's not going to be here next season we uh, we have bigger issues to deal with we have player issues contract issues the board top management we have so many issues Arteta's the least of our worries right now and in an ideal world forget he's not he's not the problem just go deal with everything else that is wrong with the club. I think he's going to be here. I don't think we can go and get a much better manager, especially if we finish ninth or 10th in this league. So he's going to be here regardless. And I think, again, like I said, when we were talking about Lampard, uh, you know, people still realize that it's not all on him right now. Like, yes, there are bad patches, but then you see, like, the really good patches, and he's bringing the youth through and stuff. It's just, yeah, I don't think it's going to come down on his head. I think he'll be here. 
I, I agree. And I, and I also would encourage all Arsenal fans and Mikel Arteta to take it slowly. And to not be worried if the process takes a few years. Because honestly, right, as a manager, we, we've touched on this a number of times throughout this podcast, but as a manager, all you want really is time, backing, support, and a good environment to work in. And a good he's, cuddle. He, and a good cuddle once in a while. And he's got, as far as we know, a few of those, right? <laughs> um, and if he succeeds too quickly, if he succeeds, and if he succeeds too quickly, it all goes down the drain. Obviously, if he's bad for a long time, it also goes down the drain. But the, there's a middle road where you develop a little bit every season and the progress and the journey is really enjoyable. And yep. that, that's what he should be aiming for. I, I, would, I would argue that winning the FA Cup in his first season was not a good idea. No. <laughs> it was Awful a decision. I, 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 fi- I find this discussion very interesting. I, I won't say why, but um, he should stay if you guys don't make Europa League. As Mohamed said, like, who cares? Um, it's all about the journey. It's all about progression. It's all about improvement. All things I've said about other people before, but I won't say who. Um, these things are very important in building a long-term sustainable football club. We've tried the other way. Stop it. Stop it. Stop promising people top four. Stop promising people big signings like Pepe. Like, that was the biggest mistake that, what's his name? The Cronky boy. Uh, Cronky son. Bro, he came out and he was like, yeah. watch this space. Exciting stuff is going to happen. It's like, shut up. <laughs> like, you don't need... <laughs> excitement you don't need hype you just need to let the man work and give him an environment where he can work Bernie. and progress and it might take three years but Bernie. let it take three years i think sorry mo i think football has lost it and why i'm so happy with our position because we let it happen it can still mess up but at least now i can enjoy it and feel a part of it and be happy because the progression was there and we're now doing well let's see that happen again in football because this chelsea nonsense it's shit Chelsea fans are upset right now, actually. The ones that we know are pissed off that they sack Frank, I, even though he's an idiot. I hear your, I hear your Josh Kroenke, Pepe. I raise you Gazidis. Arsenal's going to be as, uh, competing with Bayern Munich. <laughs> so, you know, there's levels to this game. <laughs> yeah. To be fair, my... Josh Kroenke was vague. He was just like, something's going to happen. Watch out. Gazidis was like, we're going to be the best club in Europe. I, I told my dad, I remember, because Arsenal had argued him, and I said, Dad, at least my club is not lying to me. They're signing people and spending money and they're doing shit with it. But Arsenal was like, there was a point where you, uh, you were like, we have the money to compete with Real Madrid and the Galacticos. And no one showed up <laughs> for like five, six years. I was like, what? Why, why are you leading your fans down this rabbit hole? Like, I don't know. I think Arteta's had a shitty run. More shitty runs will come. But as long as there's a general trend of improvement, Stick with it. It might suck for a bit, but stick with it. You're not a big club like that anymore. Like, shit, calm down. Well, we are selling players. We are just terminating contracts left, right, and center because we realize all the mistakes we've made. So basically, we've bought all these players. We're letting them all go for free. Hell, we're paying them money to leave. (laughs) (laughs) It's just a mess. Yeah, it's true. Um, But uh, transfer-wise, you've touched on it already. Odegaard is coming in. It's done. Loan. Six months. No option to buy. Whatever. Um, OG Blago underscore blogger. Sorry, at Blago underscore blogger on Twitter says, um, how do you rate Odegaard to Arsenal? He says he gives uh, ML Smith-Rowe some protection at number 10, can play multiple positions, but he wants to see if he can deal with the physicality of the Premier League. Mm, perfect. I mean, I don't need to add anything to that. That's exactly... Uh, until you said that last sentence, that was all I was going to add. Just like, 
we talked about those week number 10s. We talked about the Havertz, the Ozols, and the Hamases. And, you know, is there time over in the Premier League? Is the Premier League right now in a phase where it's speed, speed physicality, and pace? And the Thiago and the Havertz and a blah, 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 are they going to fail in this league? And, you know, is Odegaard in that column? You know, or is he in that bracket of, yeah, great nifty player, but especially on an Arsenal side that lacks that tactical discipline and it could get overrun in midfield? You know, we've seen him with throw do it. But he's got a, physic, a bit of physicality about him. You know, look at Saka. Saka's a small guy, but hell, you want to kick him, push him off the ball, good luck. It's not happening, right? So I want to see what Odegaard has from that physical side because we all know his technical ability. And from when he came through at Madrid, like he was an exciting player, him and Asensio and that prop that came through. So, yeah, I agree with everything you said. Well, we'll have to just have to wait and see. Yeah, yeah. I have nothing to add, really, uh, except that. Except that, what I will say is, there was a lot of talk about Arsenal need a number 10, a creative player. ML Smith-Rowe can't play every game. Um, but if you were to buy someone or get something wrong in this position, then you, to, to quote Arsene Wenger, you kill Emil Smith-Rowe, right? And so getting someone who is young and who is on loan and can play other positions is important to keep Smith-Rowe's development going and not block it too much while having someone there who can also play that role. So Yeah, it also means in like cup games, you don't get to see Willian at number 10, which is good for oh. my health. Oh. The, the only thing I, I would say is like, we actually haven't seen that much of Odegaard. Like he had essentially one very good season, I would say, at Sociedad, sure. But we don't watch that shit. Like, so let's be real. Like, we don't know what you're going to get. You're getting potential, which is great. But then do you, my, my only thing is like, I don't want... I don't think a Willian type of signing for you guys makes sense, obviously, as I've been very loud about. But another young, inexperienced, especially to the league, number 10 player as a backup for Emil Smith-Rowe, I feel like you need, you're going to get another patchy period. You probably need experience to hold you down a little bit. Not 30-year-old experience, like 26, 25-year-old experience. I don't know who was out there. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I, I would, if it was my club, I'd feel a bit more comfortable with someone who could, when, when Emil Smith-Rowe has a bad patch, well, he will have as a young player, not having an Odegaard who's adjusting to fill that role. That's just, yeah. Know, that's just how I Bernie, think. you touched upon something very important. You said, but I don't know who's out there. We are beggars, not choosers right now. Arsenal's transfer policy, loan policy, whatever it is, is who is available out there and can, can they potentially do a job? We, we don't, we're not, going and picking out of a whole group. We are picking from that subset of players that are unhappy at their club or want a long move or, you know, William type, like free. So we throw money at like, that's where we can operate right now in the market, unfortunately. So that's why when Odegaard comes up, it's a good option for us. It's just, it's a shame, but that is just where we can operate right now. We cannot go and choose you. I want this guy. It's not going to happen. The, the, the variables have to all align and the stars have to all align for players to come to Arsenal. And, if it's going to be Odegaard, it could have been much worse. <laughs> you know, Absolutely. And, and, you know, you think about it. Arsenal probably had a good option on Odegaard because Real Madrid is so thankful that we're taking Ceballos from them for like two years straight. You know? <laughs> they, they want absolutely nothing to do with that man and we're making it possible. So I think that's probably why this was, why this was achievable. Anyway, um, let's move on. Spurs beat Wickham 4-1 in the FA Cup. Uh, looked dodgy for a while until... Uh, you know, we're talking about is your second team good enough to to match your first team? Spurs' second team we've seen all season, both in the Europa League and the domestic cups, has been dodgy, and they've needed 
Kane and Son and Hoiberg and, and in this case and Dombele to come on and, and save the day numerous on numerous occasions and this was the same again. But Dombele, we like it's like every week it's getting better and better. And now he's starting to add goals to the game. Like it, to me, just such a pleasure to watch this guy. We combi. <laughs> I love I love we combi. I love reading their names. Oh. Wickham. I love I just love I don't know. In my head, it's always gonna be Wicombi wonder. <laughs> I just can't, you know. Uh, but yeah, you, you said it right, Alex. Like they try and start with the whole Lamella, Mora, Vinicius. They they try and do all the stuff, you know, the Harry Wings stuff. Yeah. It's fine. And <laughs> it's a horrendous player. But <laughs> like, yeah, Joe Hart played, eh? So that's and only conceded one, which is very nice. Uh, but yeah, you're right. They needed the Son. They needed the Kane. They needed those guys to come on. Um, but yeah, I mean, we talk about Spurs' depth being non-existent. And we talk about it as one of the issues to why maybe, you know, they're not going to be able to push on all fronts. Um, but yeah, they have really strong people on the bench that can come in and do a job. And we've seen it. And you're right. And Dombele today was, he came on, scored what, two goals, was it? Yep. Um, at the end, like he came on in the 68th minute and then scored what? 60, what is it here? Let's see. 87 and 90th. Like, I mean, yeah, he's adding goals to his game. And if he can keep that up, he's, I'm just, you know, I'm just waiting for, until he realizes too good for the squad composition is something that I, I do want to ask you about, Bernie, though, because, you know, as a United fan, you'll have seen Sir Alex Ferguson rotate his team to perfection for years and be able to have squad players who are fairly shit, the Darren Fletchers, the John O'Shea's, the Phil Neville's, the Wes Browns, but he's able to get the best out of them to the extent that he can put out a backup team that he knows will do a job. And I think one of the, as I mentioned, I think one of the things that is causing Mourinho trouble this season is that when he, he needs to rotate his star guys because they're overplayed, Kane, so on, etc. But every time he tries, his backup cast can't get it done. Now, I think for a backup 11, the, the 11 that Spurs can put out is pretty good in terms of the individual players. You know, you run through the team. They play with each other once a month and they're expected to come out and win this game. And if they don't do it within 45 minutes, they get hauled off like Vinicius. So how, how, how does Mourinho manage this better? He doesn't and he can't. Um, <laughs> and that's just me and my other agenda. But um, to be fair, I mean, they're not very good, his backups. We've seen them play against, was it Olympiacos or someone, someone in the Europa League and they got embarrassed. I can't remember who, who it was. But it's firstly, it's getting players that can actually listen to you and carry out your instructions. Like when, as you alluded to with Ferguson, even Jason Park wasn't a regular, but he would show up in games and then do a madness, right? Darren Fletcher did the madness to the point that people were like, why did we like, upset that he got a red card? But you've got to also give them games like in certain times that Vinicius doesn't play ever in the Premier League, like ever, ever. So how is he supposed to show up and, and, and prove to you that he can do anything when you don't ever give him a shot? You have to mix and match the team at times in important games as well. And Mourinho is so risk averse. He's like, no, I'm going to play Harry Kane until he dies. Like, no, against Sheffield United, you can start with Vinicius. You know what I mean? Like, and work and work it, work it up. So I just I think, don't feel Bernie, like it's going to work think- out. So go ahead, Mo. I think to your point about like bringing them into the in the Premier League squad, the thing is unfortunate for these players is that you need to be 3-0 up to come yeah. on in the Premier League. 
which I think is also a position Mourinho never finds himself in. He's always one nail, two one, or whatever it is, and backs to the wall and trying to close out the game. So Vinicius will never come on to close out the game. Eric Lamella will never come on to close out a game. But if you're United back then, when Alex you alluded to, and Alex is, you know, United are three nil up because they're bagging on Bolton or whatever, then John O'Shea can come on and Wes Brown can come on. You know, it just Mourinho doesn't find himself in positions, and it is partly his fault that allows him to then bring on young players to play the last 20, 25 minutes of Premier League games. He's just not in that position. Well, to, to be fair, I think I think he's he's traumatised, um, quite clearly traumatised by that West Ham 3-3, where they were 3-0 up. He did bring on a bunch of people, and then they drew the game 3 all in the last minute. And since then, you're right, it's been shut it down, first guys only. I think to Alex's point, it's closer to that, because like Ferguson used to do a thing where he would literally tell people like Solskjaer and Nicky, but you're not going to play for three weeks. But here is the game that you're going to play in. And he will play them in that game. For example, FA Cup final. Nicky Butt starred FA Cup final. Like, who does that when, when, you're, when you're chasing a trophy? Like, you have to find a way to put these guys in, no matter what the situation is, if you want to have a harmonious squad. Or else, you will lose the dressing room, as Jose always tends to do. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I think it's interesting. I mean, when Jose does it, he's like, listen, Carlos. You're not going to play for three weeks, but then I'm going to need you for Ludogorets away. And Vinicius is just like, fuck you. <laughs> That's not good enough. Anyway, we'll move on. Um, City beat, uh, Manchester City beat Cheltenham 3-1. It was like 1-0 to Cheltenham in the 70-something minute. Um, and I still never thought that Cheltenham were going to win. Um, but Foden, brilliant again. City, actually, unless anyone has any comments on that game, City have... Um, West Brom coming up, I think, in the league. And uh, Pep has described Allergyce as a genius. Why? Mm, he loves to do that. He lo- and it's mm. so condescending. <laughs> he, loves, he loves giving managers that we know are shit, managers that we know that Pep wouldn't, you know, piss on to save from a fire. Like, we just <laughs> know that Pep looks down on these people so much, just not from, like, an achievement perspective, but from, like, a footballing philosophy perspective. He looks down so much on somebody that he just loves to come out and be so condescending and say, oh, you're a great manager. And then all this, like, you know, he'll bag on some, you know, he'll bag on a team like, who did they play this week? Whatever. Whoever we're talking about. Yeah. He'll bag on them. And then like 7-0 or whatever in a, in, a, in a game. And then he'll come out and say, oh, it's the hardest game we've ever played then. And these guys are so good and they're so organized. Like, shut the hell up, man. <laughs> say it as it is, you know. Your salary could cover all of their wage bill and their shit. Like, it's fine. You don't need to pretend like you have some, there's some balance in either. There isn't a balance. You are the most rich club and it is what it is. Like, I just hate it. It's so condescending and he just doesn't see it. And it's just like, stop making these nonsense. I just come out and say some others are there to play a lot of football and stop them from getting relegated. That's it. I, I, I want to say that Pep Guardiola's press conferences or, you know, after post-game, whatever, interviews, I think he's the most annoying person in front of a microphone in the league, like straight up, whether it was a tackling thing he said before or whether it's praising a manager he shouldn't or when they beat someone 9-0, he was like, it would be disrespectful if I didn't. Like, it was something, he always has these things where I'm like, shut up. I don't want to hear you talk. <laughs> like, it's so frustrating. I would rather Jurgen Klopp grind his teeth for an hour than listen to that. <laughs> Bro, wait, wait until Thierry Henry finally gets a job in the Premier League. Then you're going to see a really unbearable person in front of the camera. Unbearable. It's going to be unreal. Um, I just wanted to add that the only thing that, that gives me joy about this is that 
you know Allardyce has no critical thinking skills, so he's going to take this at 100% face value, and it's going to go straight this, to his head. This is why he called himself Allardyce or one of the Madrid job. It's Pep's <laughs> fault. And now he's going to be calling the Barcelona board, being like, don't you guys have an election coming up? I'm available. Oh. Hey, Benjamin Mendy played the game. Very good um, for him. So that's always exciting. You know, he's, uh, he's recovered from his escapades. Uh, given uh, given Edward Mendy's recent form, if just just Benjamin playing means that he shoots to the top of the Mendy rank, that's true. Especially when we don't know what's up with Nampolis, so like you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, uh, oh, results... have, sorry, sorry. They have a, a triple-barreled name, youngster Taylor Hard Harwood Bellis, our right back. Very Bellis, nice, Bellis. Yeah, so you know, join the triple-barreled name club. Absolutely. Uh, Everton beat Sheffield Wednesday 3-0. Uh, only thing to mention here is that Dominic Calvert-Lewin is back and scoring goals. So, you know, update your FPL team. if you. And Dini is playing again, right? Yeah. So, yeah, put, just put them both in. 100%. Leicester 3, Bradford 1. Brentford? Brentford. I can't read my writing. Um, <laughs> it is horrendous. Good for them. Leicester's is. Uh, I'm left-handed. Give me a break. Um, Leicester... Uh, Good run of form continues. Speaking of which, West Ham beat Doncaster 4 0. Um, there was a headline, I forget where, but it was just West Ham fans can dream of Champions League. And I have huh? to say, as good a job as Moyes is doing, and it is a wonderful job, that seems a bit much. What? <laughs> well, if I said Arsenal have a chance of top four, then I guess West Ham do as well. But like, I wouldn't go that far. They're, they're in that Dimitri Paye and Alex Song dream mode all of a sudden. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, speaking of Paye, um, sorry, it's frozen. Can you guys hear me? Yeah. Oh, speaking of Paye, Sterling's free kick last week in the league mm. reminded me a lot of that same technique where he kind of, he, he flicked the ball. He didn't follow through. He just kind of like spanked it almost. Yeah, I mean, where the, it leg, was a, where the leg comes out. Yeah, the leg came out, he spanked it. It was like an after 9 p.m. kind of goal, you know? Just like, <laughs> Monday, it was like watershed. <laughs> The, the force with which you said spanked it was very concerning to me. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just saying, man. I looked at the goal and went, mm, this is why I watch football, you know? <laughs> yeah. No, but I just, you I mean, remind me of what he said, Payet. You know he didn't mean that, right? <laughs> what, Payet or Sterling? No, Sterling. You know he didn't. Like, I, I know I you know. like, I know Mohanan always likes to determine if a player mentored or not. It's Raheem Sterling, man. He didn't mean that shit. <laughs> Come on. I think that's harsh. It's his first free kick ever. Yeah, so well, that's why he didn't mean it. <laughs> so Bernie's going to take it away from him. Unbelievable. Yo, what? I can't Bernie thinks he, did, he, he didn't even mean to take the free kick. Like the whole thing was an accident. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's like, what am I doing here? <laughs> how, did I, uh, how did I get here? <laughs> it's a fever dream. Um, um, Sheffield United beat Plymouth. Good for them for winning a game. You know, you've got to congratulate them on that. Wolves and Southampton also went through, as we mentioned. And uh, unless there's anything else, I just want to touch on Serie A very briefly. Yes, we can, but very quickly. Aston Villa beat Newcastle in the league, was it? Yeah. Yeah, that happened to the Premier League Cup. Yeah. Newcastle are going down, like I said. Yeah. Steve Bruce said he understands the fans' frustrations. Thank you. Sure. Uh, Doesn't help, help, Now that that Rafa is available, do you think Mike Ashley would do it? No. Like, Brucey and then uh, Rafa... Again. Okay, I, I don't think Rafa would do it. Yeah, Rafa would for a start. Okay. 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 And also Steve Bruce, to his credit, he <laughs> the other day, he's been very funny recently. He was like, We finished the same place as Rafa did. 
like Rafa's last season and Bruce's last season, they finished just about fair the same. Enough. And I was like, yeah, that's, that's also <laughs> also Rafa probably knows a bit of Chinese now, so Mike Ashley might take that as unexpected. <laughs> <laughs> it might be like, well, I know you're still European, but I feel like I want to do. That's Alex, really funny. The, Alex, the problem <laughs> is he did finish the same position, but he spent forty million on Joe Linton. <laughs> 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 That's true. Joelinton makes Nicola Pepe look like a bargain signing. Yo, I have to say though, Berner, Bertrand Traore back at it again since I praised my boy, my left-footed boy. Killing it. And I called him better than Pepe. And here we are. He is. That's That's not even difficult, In that very niche category of gangly, awkward, left-footed, tall wingers, yeah. he's the best. Yeah. He's the best out of two. Yeah. <laughs> I think who are these people? <laughs> I don't know anyone except for those two. Oh no, yeah, like, there's uh, the guy at West Ham, uh, the really that? left-footed winger at West Ham. He's like from Eastern Europe. What's his oh, name? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah, he just looks, he looks completely out of place. He's lanky. Yeah. He's lanky. Anyway, if, if uh, listener, if you have any other suggestions of really tall, awkward wingers, please send them to us because love them. Um, Serie A, very quickly, just the yes. top of the table. Um, AC Milan, who have been on like a 900-game winning streak, finally lost to Atalanta 3-0, who absolutely spanked them. And obviously, Ibrahimovic allegedly um, told Duvan Zapata what he scored more goals. He scored more goals than he has appearances. Okay. Like, Which is such a... Like 900 years old. I know, but it's such a boss thing to say. Though. Is it? On Not the spot? Yeah, but on the, on the spot in the field, do you think of that? I did, like it didn't look in the video. I haven't seen more context, but it didn't look in the video like Zapata even acknowledged it, which I, also, I quite enjoyed. Also, like, win the game great, right? and score a goal at least, if you're gonna say that. Like, score a goal. <laughs> like, come yeah. on. Mendukic played. Um, was it his first game? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, did he come off the bench? Yeah, he came off the bench. Um, anyway, the point being that uh, Inter Milan had a wonderful opportunity to win a game and go top of the league. But Antonio Conte, uh, as the bottler that he is, managed to draw nil-nil with Udinese. This is when people that bet need to wake up. Yeah. The minute Inter have a game at the end of a match day where, let's say, Milan or Juve haven't won, put money on that shit. <laughs> Inter <laughs> are not winning that game. <laughs> It's so true. Is there something important coming up that Inter need to win? Put money on it. Not I happening. Can't wait. I can't wait till they bottle this opportunity to win the league now that Juventus are trash. Though Juventus won. And then Conte. I mean, he's leaving one way or the other. Uh, I can't wait. This is a really this is a really good top of the table, though. If we assume Juventus win their game in hand, that goes Milan 43, Inter 41, Juventus 39, Roma 37, with 19 games played. This is a good top of the and if I may shake it up, potentially, I, I frankly, I can't quite believe this, but um, there have been rumors about Fonseca being being sacked at Roma. I thought he was doing quite a good job, but apparently he's fallen out with Dzeko or whatever. And there are rumors that, that they're lining up Allegri, which I think would be an unbelievable coup for Roma oh. if they managed to pull that off. But that why would, would they... Cool. I mean, as much as I love Allegri, I'm like, why would you ruin a good... Like, not ruin, but like, Fonseca has been doing a good job. I don't, I don't get it. Uh, I hate I hate this football culture. Screw it. Let's, let's I, 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 I'm just... 
<laughs> blame it on the culture. I don't know. I think that there's more to it. Like, I don't feel like I know the whole story, but allegedly there was an issue with Jekko and, and what happened. Get rid of Jekko. He's an old git man. I agree, but... I, I, and as much as I like Fonseca, I also am of the school of thought that, like, if you have a chance of getting Allegri, you just do it. Also, sorry, I would like to add Napoli into the mix with 37 points if they win their game in hand. So this Mohamed, is a top. I, I, I wanted to add Napoli to the mix, and then they add, they deleted uh, themselves from the mix. So like, <laughs> Yeah, but still, 37 points with the top being 43, they're not completely out of it. Two I, games. I, Alex, who did I say was going to win? Because I know I said Napoli was going to come second. What I think I you said win? Inter would win and Napoli would come second. I changed I my still, mind. I don't think Milan. I don't think Milan is going to is going to no. win the league. Right. That think, yeah yeah yeah. Because Bernie, you said AC Milan can't keep this up, so Inter will win and then Napoli will come second. Uh, I changed my mind because I forgot Conte's a manager. I think Juventus are going to do a bit of a uh, end of season run, and Ooh. everyone's going to be so upset and annoyed that it's the same old team again. And Napoli still second. <laughs> still backing Napoli. All right. All right. Really? So yeah. Juve from fourth are going to win the league and Napoli from sixth are going to end up second. This is a complete mix. Trust up. me, bro. Okay. Trust me, bro. I mean, while we're going out on a limb, apparently Torreira is going to Fiorentina and he will propel them up the league at rocket pace. Yep. Uh, as <laughs> they'll they only, top four. They only have half amount of points that Milan have. So, you know. Anything's doable. Oh, Anything's doable. Anyway, uh, unless you've got anything else, I think that'll do. I mean, I think this was pretty good considering it's an FA Cup weekend. Yeah. Yep. yep. Yeah. Yep. Cool. All right, Mohanad, thank you. Bernie, thank you. Marina Granitskaya, I... thank you very much. <laughs> oh, thank you. And um, the people, the uh, er- Erdogan, Erdogan, the Turkish president, thank you yep. very much. We <laughs> Fair enough. And thank you for listening. Take care. Thank you for downloading the Koshcast. Get in touch at underthekoshblog at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at under underscore the kosh. And for articles, predictions, and the full experience, go to underthekoshblog.com. Yeah.